Hello and welcome to the Resiliency by Design podcast. In this podcast, we embark on a journey exploring the multitude of issues woven into climate change. My name is Ozzy Lang, and I will be guiding you through this exploration with the help of experts from the community. These experts are individuals taking action on climate change through adaptation or mitigation. The journey to a future where we can all thrive is not a simple path, but with the guidance of great leaders and a willingness to change, our future on this beautiful planet will be bright. This episode is the first half of our deep dive into competency frameworks. The Adaptation Learning Network is one of the major projects currently underway with the Resilience by Design Lab. The team at the Adaptation Learning Network have recently developed the Climate Adaptation Competency Framework. You can find a link in the podcast description. You may be asking yourself, what is a competency framework? To help us answer this question, I am joined by the co-founder of Ibica, Stephen Forth. Ibica is focused on helping organizations accelerate growth through innovative talent and market tools. One of those tools is competency frameworks. Stephen and his team are currently developing multiple competency frameworks for organizations and disciplines like design thinking. Thank you so much, Stephen, for joining me on the podcast today. I'm looking forward to our discussion around competency frameworks. This is exciting. It's a subject I'm, I'm passionate about. And I love the work that's being done at the uh, Resilience by Design Lab. We'll start by jumping in to find out a little bit of your background. Well, that is very diverse. I think the relevant things are that I am a devoted and hardcore lifetime, lifelong learner. Each year I have a formal learning plan where I document my goals, the evidence and the resources that I'm going to be using for what I'm learning each year. And that's an important part of how I organize my learning. Related to that, I've reflected quite a bit on how I learn and what my learning style is. And this relates quite a bit to how I think about competency models uh, and how I approach them. So my own learning style Uh, is above all else, it's social. I learn through conversations and working with other people, conversations like this. It's also historical. So I like to go back and understand the origins of things. So often what we see is that there are ideas that were included initially that do not get followed. And often those paths that have died off are the most interesting paths. I tend to, you know, to read and study around the origin of ideas more than their fulfillment. So it's important that I work with people, you know, that do the opposite, that are more interested in their fulfillment. My, my learning style is also very abstract. So I need to develop and understand the abstract models that underlie things. There are some people that have to go from the bottom up and don't really care about the abstractions. For me, I need to understand the abstractions and be able to connect them. And and I think that really impacts the way I I think about and approach competency models as well. I'll tell you a little bit about our history later on. 
as to how we've how we've used competency models. In terms of training, I graduated from university when I was 18 with a degree in psychology with a lot of math courses, what today would probably be called cognitive science, but there was no such thing back then. And I took off on what was meant to be a six-month grand tour of Asia. This was the late 70s. And I came back 10 years later, having lived in Tokyo and Chiang Mai and Copenhagen, when we moved east to Vancouver, I had a wife and three kids. Because I am not well suited to working for other people, I've always had to create companies. And my wife jokes that when I want to learn something, I'll either create a company or organize a conference or start a nonprofit. That is amazing. I like how you went for a short stint over in Asia and came back 10 years later. That's um, a wonderful story. (laughs) I really enjoy this idea of a formal learning plan, really getting clear about not only your learning style, but the, the goals that you want to be hitting. That really ties into these competencies so well. An interesting thing that's happened this year is that, uh, so as you may know, my company uh, does a lot of work on the design and management of competency models. And I'm working with the IEEE on a standard for competency models. And I'm the the vice chair of the 1484.20.2 standards process. It's embarrassing that I can say that so easily. The first thing that we did, we asked other people involved in this work, is there a competency model for building competency models? And we couldn't find one. There's competency models around instructional design, but it's really not the same thing. So then we did two things. We opened a design research project into the design of competency models. So one of my colleagues, David Botta, who has a PhD in the area of design and design research is leading research into how do people design competency models? And right now we're in the interview phase and he's interviewed five or six people from around the world on their approaches. We hope to start publishing some of that work in the summer. But as we were doing this, I asked myself the question, should I have a personal competency model? I've got a a rich and detailed skill profile. It's connected to a number of different competency models but none of them felt adequate to how I think about my life and work. The learning plan is a great resource and it's been important to me over the last, I've had it for over 15 years. But you know, this is not really doing the job that I need to get done of understanding what are the skills I need for my work and who do I need to work with for my work. So this year I've started to develop a personal competency model. Uh, which I plan to link to my learning plan. I'm going to be encouraging other people to build personal competency model. And that's been, that's given me a lot of insight. You, you know, I've been building competency models for a long time. We built our first ones in the early part of this century in, for internal purposes. And then I did some of this work when I was the vice president for online solutions at Monitor Group in Boston actually Cambridge, Massachusetts. So I thought I was, you know, pretty well versed in in this stuff. But when I started working on my own competency model, I realized there's a lot that we have not thought of or that I have not thought of. And it's sort of shifted my thinking on these things. So again, anyone who's listening to this, I encourage you to build your own competency model. And if you would like some coaching on what that might look like, I'm happy to do that. Yeah, I could see how building your own competency really 
takes the learning to a deeper level. I, I learned new things about how I work and how I want to work with people. I think this is also important for in the world that I work in, competency models are not primarily about learning. They are not a way of getting to learning objectives. They are not a way of developing curriculums. They are not a way of designing learning resources. That's secondary to how competency models are used in the world that I, I work in. For me, competency models do three things. One is they help people understand who they need to work with on different projects. So they are a way of finding other people that I need to work with in order to accomplish the work. The second thing that they do is that they help me understand what are the different possible career paths that are there that I could pursue. And then the third thing that, they, that a competency model does in my world is it helps to define the larger structures of work and where there's potential and how that potential can be surfaced and applied. So it's, for me, competency models are not a tool to enable learning. They are a way to enable doing work. Very interesting. I have heard a lot of people talk about competency models as this way to develop and train up people, but I've never thought about competency models in that, that you're, you're really taking, and especially for a personal look, you're really taking a look internally at what your competencies are and then understanding how that helps you work better with a team. How do we make sure that for specific projects, we're putting the right people in the right room? We were doing some very interesting work probably five or six years ago now on how skills got categorized. The same guy, David Botta, was doing clustering work in how people cluster their skills. And as people were clustering their skills, there would often be like, you know, a nice little cluster here, of, you know, 15 or 20 skills and another one over here of seven or eight or, you know, and these are my, you know, coding skills and these are my, you know, mathematical skills or whatever domain you're, you're in. But sometimes there would be skills that were in between the clusters. So people would visually place them in between the clusters and David asked about that. I said, so what are those? He says, oh, those are my connecting skills. Those are the skills I use to connect these two clusters together. This is how I take my mathematical skills and my, my coding skills, and that's where they, where they connect. Or my marketing skills and my sales skills and where they connect. And so we, we started thinking a lot about this notion of connecting skills we realize that there are actually internal connecting skills and external connecting skills. So internal connecting skills are those skills that one uses to integrate one's own you know, abilities. So those are the ones that, that David discovered in this initial work. External connecting skills are the skills that you, know, you and I might use to work together. Maybe we both share a passion for competency models. There are people that are passionate about competency models. And that becomes a way that we can connect the other domains where we have expertise. So those external connecting skills are also a really important part of the picture. If I think of it in the adaptation to climate change context, what are the skills that will allow civil engineers and urban planners to work together effectively to respond to climate change. One can't expect civil engineers and urban planners to have the same competencies. They're different professions, they have different life experiences, usually different values and motivations. 
But if there are no connecting skills, people will find it very, very difficult to work together. To me, a good competency model will help one surface and understand both the internal connecting skills that people have, but these external ones have to be where people connect. I think a good competency model can help to identify some of the places where one would at least look for the external connecting skills. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I, I always like looking at the hazy lines in between. I love looking at systems theory and systems thinking, being able to see these change management things happen and seeing in between those lines that most people would put up. I think that that's really where a lot of good work can happen. It's along those sort of hedgerows, so to speak, that you get the most fertile combinations of ideas. Do you know a uh, cognitive scientist, Mark Turner, and the work he's done on concept blending? Oh, I don't know that. I'll have to look that up. That, that's really worth looking up. It's also worth thinking about what concepts get blended in different competency models. I actually find Mark Turner's concept blending paradigm is a very useful way to think about the design of competency models. Because to me, good competency models connect things together. And concept blending is a formal way that's been developed to do that. Instead of thinking of uh, competency models as these great big monoliths that get dropped on stuff, to think of them as remixing competencies in teams between different people is, I think, a really, really central thing to innovation. That's actually one of the, the weaknesses of many competency models as you know, frequently used. There's an old joke that says when you implement an ERP, you take your business processes and you pour concrete over them. Well, unfortunately, large monolithic competency models do the same thing to the talent in your organization. And we have to find ways to break that up and make it more dynamic. That makes a lot of sense. That's one of the challenges is when you get these huge competency frameworks, they stay stagnant. I was actually just discussing this in the, the meeting I was in before this. Jobs are increasingly dissolving into roles. The notion of job is weakening. And instead, we are thinking more and more of roles that people play. And you can think of a job as a bundle of roles. But you can also think, you know, I also play roles on teams. And I also play ad hoc roles, you know, where people says, oh, I'm doing this off the side of my desk. And we also play roles in communities and in, in families. And roles are for us at Ibaka anyway, a far more powerful way to organize competency models than jobs are. Now we tend to include jobs in our competency models because people need the conceptual hook that they're familiar with to hang stuff off of. So we include you know, a few examples of jobs that can be composed from roles, but it's really roles that are the, the sort of dynamic piece. And what we're, we're doing and trying to do at Ibaka is to modularize competency models. I'd like to come into this by telling you a little bit about the background of Ibaka because the, the journey we've traveled is kind of interesting and relevant to this. So we started with a bunch of people who were deeply familiar with HR and learning software and who had been involved over the last couple of decades in building important parts of the infrastructure behind that. 
And we felt that we kind of screwed the world up. And I don't know if you've ever had the misfortune of having to work with a learning management system, but they're kind of dismal pieces of software. My apologies to my past self and my colleagues. We said, we're not going to do that. The world in which we are entering are ones in which skills bubble up from the work. They bubble up from the interactions between people and from how teams work together. So we wanted to take a very bottoms up approach in which you would not have a big, heavy competency model imposed. You would have skills bubble up and the organization would emerge. We had like a religious conviction around this. We're very passionate about it. As we interacted more and more with the market, and especially with larger companies, we had people saying, well, this is fantastic. We love what you're doing. It's a great approach. It gives insights you cannot get anywhere else. But we need to apply an organizational lens on this. Just having things bubble up from the bottom is not going to cut it for two reasons. One is it's too dynamic and chaotic to be managed. And secondly, it can over-rely um, on what the team and the individuals already know about themselves and each other and does not bring in a larger framework that might integrate things from outside. So we took a step back and said, yeah, okay, that kind of makes sense. And we started building a platform for the construction, design, and management of, of large-scale competency models, finding the ways to connect this bottom-up approach and this top-down approach. So that's pretty much where we are right now. It's still a work in progress, but where we are today, as people adopt roles, as they take on new challenges, new skills bubble up and can be seen and then can be accepted into the competency model to keep it dynamic and changing. So that's the connecting the top and the bottom. And we're also working on more and more modularization so that our goal is to be able to apply the six modular operators. And that comes from a wonderful year 2000 book called Design Rules. It was published by MIT Press. Fantastic book. Strongly recommend it to anyone who's interested in this this sort of stuff, to be able to apply the modular operators at any level of the system. So I could be able to take a competency and I can split it, I can replace it, I can extend it, I can invert it, you know, and, and so on. There's so much richness that comes out of going from that ground up approach, but really taking that look again at how can the top down approach be modularized and uh, thought of differently so that they can be connected. Yeah, and it's critical that they connected. I mean, our, our customers were right that the purely bottom-up approach has severe shortcomings, you know, just as severe as the idea that competency models you know, can live and exist apart from the people who are actually using the competencies. So both approaches had profound shortcomings. And now we are trying to apply Mark Turner's ideas from concept blending on how to connect these together. Yeah, I, I can see how that would help organizations not only adapt to something like climate change, but adapt to COVID-19 in a much quicker way, because they're taking the skill sets that all these people are now, okay, you have to work from home, what kind of skill sets are going to bubble up from that? And then the organizational side of things, there's so many things that needed to change in a relatively short period of time. Yeah. And so these pieces, these, it just provides a framework for them to then adapt and change their workforce. 
another way that we're trying to do this is through the notion of open competency models. So Ibaka is committed that anyone who is willing to share a competency model um, under Creative Commons, we are willing to host that for free, provided you are willing to share it under Creative Commons. For us, an open competency model is open in three ways. One is it can be distributed through a Creative Commons license. Secondly, it can be remixed. So it is, they are intentionally meant to be combined. So to take the adaptation to climate change model, it could easily, parts of it could easily be remixed with the design thinking open competency model, which is one of the ones that we're developing at Ipica. They're open in the sense that they're open for distribution, they're open for remixing. But the third part for our own work is that we want to be them to be open at the bottom for this bubbling up of skills. And those three things together are what really create an open competency model for us. And the ones that we're developing right now are for design thinking, customer success, and pricing expertise. And we are looking at doing one on innovation and one on how, how to work with data. That's interesting that you talk about the kind of like openness of these competency models. I was talking with Dennis Green and he was talking about the eCampus Ontario framework to create competency yeah. frameworks. And he said that anyone using that framework then has to have their competency frameworks open. Like we were talking about in those coffee shops, when people are talking back and forth, the same thing happens with all of these competency frameworks. They can be shared and people can pull and make new ones to fit their organization or fit what they need for even their personal um, competency frameworks. And Dennis, I think, has done a, a very good job in that work he did with eCampus. And we are going to be um, extending the Ibaka competency management platform to support the eCampus model. However, I'd like to point out that that's only one of many possible models. And there is no one right way uh, to develop a competency model. There are, and this is again, why we're doing this design research, you know, to understand how people in, with different experiences in different worlds, with different you know, needs approach developing competency models. What did Darwin say at the end of the, the origin of species? Endless forms, most wonderful. Uh, and I think that's, you know, something we need to apply to our thinking about competency models. Uh, I manage the design thinking group on LinkedIn, which has like 169,000 odd members. We were talking about the, um, the skills that are needed for design thinking, because one of the things that we're working on is a design thinking competency model and critical thinking comes up as, you know, a very important 21st century skill. And one of the top guys in design thinking said, eh, yes, but generative thinking is even more important. Thought, huh, that's interesting. And this guy's name is GK Van Patter, brilliant guy. We just did an interview with him you know, on what is generative thinking as a skill. But these ideas that he brings to design thinking and generative thinking, I think equally applied to develop a competency model. We need to keep this approach open. We do not want to lock it down. 
It's very interesting. Generative thinking is such a different way of looking at it. Uh, we're generating ideas, and that's such a different skill set than a critical thinking. Yeah. And and I do ask him in the interview about the relationship between critical thinking and generative thinking, because clearly they're complementary skills. Another way that we have of thinking about skills at Ipica is in terms of complementary skills versus associated skills. So associated skills are skills that you expect to find together. And so, for example, if a person is a grill chef, knife skills and grill skills are both needed to be a good line chef. So those are associated skills. You expect a person to have both. But there's another set of skills that are complementary skills, where you don't expect the same person to have them, but you need both sets of skills in order to perform a task. So in the restaurant context, pastry chefs have a totally different set of skills from a line chef, but you need both if you're going to run a great restaurant. A, a good competency model will help you understand what are the associated skills and what are the complementary skills. Another thing that competency models are used for is to inform hiring decisions. If you insist that you will only hire people that are, you know, have great user interface design skills and great front-end engineering skills, that's a bad set of criteria because you're looking for complementary skills. You're not looking for associated skills. So a good, comp a good competency model for, for use in, in a work environment helps you understand those sorts of things. I feel this thread going through our entire conversation today about how getting the right people around the table, but getting the right people in the door of the company as well. Another really important thing here is, is potential. And a good competency model will really help individuals discover their own potential. And I'm hoping that my personal competency model that we mentioned earlier um, will transform me. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting on in years. I'm in my 60s. So I have to learn faster than young people because I don't have as much time left. That is a beautiful way of looking at the world. And I enjoyed your commitment and dedication to lifelong learning and just the thought process that you've put into it. This has been a wonderful conversation. I just thank you for all of the commitment that you have had to developing these competency models because they are really changing the systems behind tackling these big problems that the world is facing. Thank you very much. It has a lot of transformative uh, potential at the individual, at the team, at the organization, but also at the, the society level. And that's what we have to figure out how to enable. And that's what the adaptation to climate change model has the potential to do. It can be truly transformative uh, to how we start thinking about, you know, how our individual lives, how our communities, how our companies and planning departments need to think about adaptation to climate change. And thank you to everyone who's listening. If you are interested in exploring the competency models developed by Ipica, there will be a link in the podcast description. There will also be a link to the Climate Adaptation Competency Framework, which was developed by the Adaptation Learning Network. I hope each of you have a wonderful day.